Get some recipes. Yeah. Yes, sir. I can't believe you've done this. Welcome to the Evolve Podcast, a podcast that explores personal evolution through our choices and overcoming life's challenges. The Evolve community is your ultimate destination for personal growth and evolution. True to form, I'm, I get to continue to be the dumbest person in the room. That's fantastic. Thank you. Did you ever get a, uh, uh, a quantum physical uh, explanation for how to uh, bake a meatloaf from a porn star? Bake a meatloaf from a porn star? Well, uh, so with that said, uh, John, like I, we were talking about earlier, uh, in our pre-show, we'd like to hear what is inspiring our guests. So is there some sort of music you're listening to? Is there a book you're reading? Is there a person in your life? What is inspiring John Absey today? You know, honestly, uh, it's kind of funny. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, so when you said those things that are like with music, I just like music in general. I mean, I, I always listen to kind of the sappy love songs and the slow music because oh, there you go. My ADHD and stuff, and my it, it, <laughs> uh, uh, rock music and stuff. I get I seriously start to shake, and so I have to listen to slow music, and it keeps me mellow and level. And then, so, so what's some slow sappy music that you're into? Then give me an example here. Um, Journey. <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, you Don't know, stop believing. Like, I mean, just pretty much anything. Like, I really like country, but I, I just like it as long as it's slow, because then it just keeps okay. me up. Otherwise, I start to jitter and freak out. But, um, and then other than that, you know, a good book is, uh, it's called The Go-Giver. If you ever, I can, I'll, I'll forward you a copy of it. I have it on my, uh, on my phone. I'll send it out to you guys. But it's a okay. really, really good book. That doesn't surprise me, knowing you and and your history. That uh, that book is uh, one that's on. Now I've not, I haven't read it yet, but I've heard great things about it. So, what is it about the Go Giver that that's inspired you? Um, I, I just think that you know a lot of people. Uh, well, not a lot. I, I just hear a lot um, with business people that you know business has got to be harsh, and it you know you just got to be you know kind of almost focused and mean and and you just do what's right for business. And this is totally the opposite. And I don't think there's one right way to do business. Um, I always refer to it as like my character when I was the jazz bear, um, everybody thought I was doing it wrong. And they were just like, that's not how you do a mascot in the NBA. And I totally 180 and I went the complete opposite of what everybody else was doing and it worked. And um, mm -hmm. I look at the same thing with business is that there's not the right way. And to me, um, with my character, I gave as much as I could. And, uh, I made sure that, um, you know, people in my life knew that I cared for them and that I, I was there for them. And, and it does come back in a bunch of different ways. So that's what I really like about the go-giver is that it shows that you don't have to be just this hard nosed business person to get things done. So. Yeah, you really don't. I love that. And that, that really echoes what your life and your story is about. It's very genuine as well coming from you. I think anybody that knows you and has a chance to sit and talk to you knows that you're one of the most genuine down-to-earth people out there. Yeah, and with that, folks, we want to welcome you to another episode of the Evolve Podcast, a podcast that explores personal evolution through our choices and overcoming the challenges that life throws at us. 
A man who, when he takes his shirt off, is actually mistaken for a bear. Coming to you from Las Vegas, Nevada, is J.C. Mitchell. He's talking about welcome. me, John, not you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, I'm glad you're that, spent, Harry. I was like, holy cow, Steve was looking at me in the locker room. I've spent uh, yeah, there you go. a lot of years perfecting the natural carnigan. So. Yes, you have the natural carnigan. Although your sound is still a little bit low. We got to bump that up. And the man with the smoothest pickup lines at the bar in Oberlin, Ohio, is Miles Riley. Welcome, Miles. Kiss me. I'm vaccinated. (laughs) (laughs) And trying to one-up everyone out there by wearing three masks, a face shield, and a dog cone around my neck. I'm Steve Cutler. Today, our guest was a guy, or is a guy, that you may not have known, even though you knew him. Uh, John performed in front of thousands of people regularly and was in the community helping in charities for almost 20, every day for almost 25 years. For these 25 years, John kept his identity a secret and to the world, he was known only as the Utah Jazz Bear. Dating back to his first season in Utah, he performed at over 900 NBA games, has donated over 16,000 hours of assistance in the community for more than 300 community organizations and charities, and has raised more than $1 million for charity in the process. That number astounds me. John has taken home more than 40 community and national awards, including eight mascot leadership awards, um, and we'll talk a little bit about that later on, John, because they actually named the award now after you, didn't they? Yes. Yeah, nice. which is unbelievable. Unknown, and, but very, yeah, very humbling. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, John also has the keys to two cities, has been honored by three individual governors with his very own day in Utah. He's been named the mascot of the year in the NBA five times and best mascot out of all sports nationwide twice and was recently given an award for the best video by a mascot out of all sports in the U.S. Now, here's something that's really unique to anyone who has ever been on the Evolve podcast. John has been inducted into the YMCA Hall of Fame, the Utah Summer Games Hall of Fame, and was inducted into the Mascot Hall of Fame in 2006. John, we've never had anybody in any Hall of Fame, and now you're in three on our podcast. What amazing is that John has received more awards for his community support than all of the NBA mascots combined. John says that the reason the character grew to be such a big part of the community was because of the help he had from everyone around him. Without that help from the people who cared, it wouldn't have been as successful. John is ever so grateful for the understanding of his wife and children and the fact that he left them to Uh, that they let him build his character, even though it took him away from his home way too much. And without them, he would have just been an ordinary bear. That reminds me of the Yogi bear, not just your average bear. So we have not just the average bear here. John Absey, once again, welcome. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for having me on. Miles, it's good to see you, buddy. Yeah, it's really good to see you, John. It's been a long time. Everybody, everybody loves seeing Miles again, and we're all trying to get him back to Utah. So, John, I remember a commercial years ago, if I recall it correctly, it started out by saying that this, uh, they, I, I don't know if they called him a player or this person on the Jazz. Uh, they were going through a bunch of stats, and they were saying, okay, here's the number of games this person has been in. Here's the number of shoulder injuries, knee injuries, or whatever it was, number of surgeries. 
And then all of a sudden it pans, and I'm thinking to myself this entire time, who is this player? And then it pans to you as the jazz player. Um, you got beat up doing this job that you loved. How many injuries did you sustain? How many surgeries were there as you were going through this 25-year uh, career? Oh, I mean, injury-wise, uh, and for surgeries, I had 10 surgeries, and uh, then I had Twenty-seven torn ligaments, tendons, and muscles, and oh my gosh, you know, close to two hundred staples and stitches, and then, um, you know, just all the countless other, you know, injuries that that happened. But I was able to just, you know, heal from without having to go get surgery. My our team doctors, man, I love them. I just have to throw a shout out to them because they kept me moving. <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable. To quote to a line from the to quote a line from the Godfather. Six shots, and he's still alive. <laughs> Dude, there was there was a, there was some sketchy moments, man. I remember, I, I remember getting hauled into the because my heart, like I would, it's hard to explain when you're in that suit. Uh, you, you know, you get so hot and you're pushing so hard, and my heart rate wouldn't come down. And mm. I went in, and I remember at halftime, and I was laying on the on the kind of gurney, the bed that they have in the back, and uh, Doc Petron came in and he was checking me out and and my heart rate was like I think it was a little over 200 and I was resting and I remember wow. looked over at Travis Travis Mack and he was just like you know nodding he's like go get the cart and I didn't know what he meant by that and crash cart came in <laughs> I was like wow that moment where you're just like I'm like doc what the, what the hell's going on here <laughs> so, but yeah it was uh, the bear was did awful. the bear didn't flatline at that point though thank heavens no you're yeah, okay I, yeah so, John, with all of these, all the experiences and the injuries, do you have a favorite, uh, not necessarily injury, but a favorite story that led to an injury? I don't even know where to begin on that one. Um, <laughs> you no, know, a lot of my injuries like happened because of somebody else. And, and a lot of times it happened because of a college mascot. Um, there's kind of that unwritten rule in the NBA where you just, you know, or in a lot of the pro sports where, you know, if, if we're going to work together as a group, don't hurt one another, you know, <laughs> for the sake mm. of thinking it's funny or because you know, it's, it's, uh, it's cool for you to, to take out somebody. But it's I, only, I cool, it's only cool when you see what? the mascots race around the, in, in the baseball game. Oh, the bases. Yep. And, oh yeah. And one of them, yeah, and yeah. one of them takes out the other one. Oh yeah. Well, that, or the, or the, or the tube of toothpaste dude, <laughs> the tube of toothpaste dude gets fallen too far forward. He takes himself out. Those yeah, there you favorites. go. <laughs> Is so, my yeah, volume better? They, what? Yeah, it's getting there. Is it? Yeah, you're getting, you're getting better. All right. I so anyway, John, keep going on. So a lot of these these came from uh, college mascots then. Uh, yeah, well, no. I, so I was in Portland. We were doing a, a birthday party for the Trailblazers. And the, the mascot, we had this uh, inflatable ring that was probably four feet off the ground with ropes and we had choreographed how it was supposed to roll. And we practiced it a number of times. And I'm supposed to bounce off the ropes, go in, jump on the Houston Rocket mascot clutch, you know, and, and take him out. Well, the Oregon Duck was there. And he just decided that he went off script and he, he pulled the rope down as I was supposed to come off of it. And I flipped oh, wow. out the ring and I put my arm out and blew my shoulder right there. And wow. uh, Oh, my gosh. I just remember my arm, you know how like when you hurt something, my arm couldn't yeah. move. I just, it was just laying there and it wouldn't. Wow. And so I had to finish the whole thing. I had to shove my arm in my sleeve of my jersey. <laughs> <and do everything laughs> wow. 
So, but it was. Uh, so was he just doing that to to try and be funny? Yeah, and it, and it happened. He was just improvising. Yeah, and it, but that's wow. where it's always hard working with people that they're they're not doing it as a career, you know, because they don't really respect mm -hmm. it as, as the career. They don't really look at it as right. Well, you might get hurt, but it doesn't. You know, it, it doesn't matter. They just look at it as you you're going to get another job. But it's like this is our job. So yeah, um, makes you want to go duck hunting. Yeah, it does. Amen to that. <laughs> I, always, I, always crap. I know it's a whole different guy because this happened 20 years ago, but I always say, ah, the Oregon duck, and I grab him. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's another reason for me to not like the Oregon ducks. So is there is there a particular memory? I know you've got, I mean, you've been, you've done, you did this for 25 years plus. Uh, was there a favorite memory uh, that you had in performing in front of people over those 25 years? No, you know, um, I wouldn't say that I have a particularly favorite memory. I think I just have a favorite part of it that created memories, if that makes sense. Mm. My favorite thing is, you know, I mean, because there were so many moments in time, you know, for 25 years that I, I really thoroughly enjoyed. But I, I can't really pick one that was the best. I would just say that the thing that I really enjoyed about my job was creating moments for kids, creating moments for other people. Um, my favorite thing was like just before a game, you know, out on the court, players are warming up and being able to grab a kid in a wheelchair or a child with a disability and walking them out onto the court. And I could introduce them to players and introduce them to the refs and put them on the scores table and have them do things that nobody else would ever get to do. And well, those are my moments that I, I really loved. And there were so many. Now, John, you're anyone that knows you knows you're a caring guy. And like I said earlier, you're very genuine about the care. And I so that doesn't surprise me. It doesn't shock me that that's, um, you know, what uh, you remember most is helping kids. You mentioned earlier in the podcast or as we we're starting that that you did it different, that you kind of wrote your own rules to being a mascot in the NBA. Is that part of what you're talking about? Is that you put yourself out there more to help kids and to help other people get access that they couldn't have before? Right. I mean, I, I mean, I guess I kind of look at it that way. It's like um, everybody else in the, in the league was, you know, kind of working it where you would get paid extra money by doing charity or uh, sponsored appearances and going and doing school shows and, and such. And um, I basically turned that down in exchange because a long time ago, that's how it was, is, you know, I was doing the same thing. We're all going out just to make a little extra money. We would do our sponsors uh, appearances, but then I wanted to start doing charity events. And uh, I just remember back when I first started, they only wanted me to do these three charity events that the jazz were attached to. Um, but in my heart, I was like, there's just so much more out there that I could be doing. And I'd rather be out doing something for charity than not doing anything at all and sitting at home. So I continued to do the charity things and I'd continually get called in and get in trouble for going out to do the charity thing. Um, <laughs> wow. Where, where I was almost fired for it at one point. What? And, um, yeah. Wow. No, it, it, was, it got pretty ugly at one point. But then, thankfully, I, I had a really good manager. and His name was Grant Harrison. And he went to bat for me and they, they let me do it. They, they were just like, okay, you know, we'll give it a shot. Because I told him, I said, I'm going to take it all on myself. None of the appearances have to go through HR. None of them have to go through PR. I mean, we're, we're, we'll take care of everything. And 
it worked. So we were doing about 250, 300 appearances a year that was strictly charity. And I would churn all of those <laughs> events away. So if a sponsored appearance came in and I had a charity event around it, I'd cancel the sponsor one and do the charity event. So, and the wow, well, uh, supported me in that. So. That's awesome. Yeah, you, you what what caused the change? Why did they, better, mister? What's that? <laughs> said, Say that again. <laughs> oh, good. good. Yeah. Yeah. You do sound better, Casey. John, what was it? I have, a, did, I have a really good think? IT guy here at the house. He's really good. So. Is it your son? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's seven. <laughs> yeah. John, what was it? How did you change the, the minds of the management at the Jazz to get them to allow you to do those charity events? Was it just saying that they didn't have to pay for anything and you would handle it all? Or what was it that changed their minds? I think it was either they were going to have to fire me and find somebody else because I wasn't giving up. You know what I mean? I, 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 mm. I hate to say, you know, I'm, I'm just one of those guys that if I, if I firmly believe in it and I'm a hundred percent like invested, I'm not going to give up because to me, when people say no, no to me is a lazy answer. No just means you don't want to deal with it and you just want it to go away. Right. And I was just, yeah. I always dig for just, I, I need more than just no. And if you're going to say no, come up with a solution other than no. Right. I like that. Yeah, I love that determination. So you, you're probably, if not the one of the most connected people in the state when it comes to charities, were there were there moments or were there times where uh, you ever got tired of going out there and just giving to all of these charities? Um, you know, no. I, I mean, I got a, a little quick story for that one. I remember, and it wasn't necessarily charities. It was just kind of the events overall. I remember one year I was like, I'm going to push and, and I'm going to knock out just a ton of appearances and I, I'm not going to say no. And my assistant and I, Luke Larson, we, we went through the, uh, the whole season of basketball and we had appearances all the way through. And then we came into the spring and we, we did appearances all summer and then came right back into the season. And in one year wow. we did over 475 appearances and oh my gosh um, yeah no and it, i don't even know what the hell i was thinking but we came into the next season and as we came around into the winter i remember we didn't have a day off from the start of the season till sometime in february wow. and i realized that i screwed up because we were still scheduled out so far because we'd be scheduled out you know up to a year in advance um and i remember going and we were doing some school shows and I remember sitting in the back, my face, at the time, way back then, I had uh, liquid makeup that had um, an alcohol base to it. And it made my eyes, I would like, right here, my eyes would be just super red because of the, they were so sensitive from that alcohol makeup that I was putting on. And mm. I remember sitting in the back, getting ready for the school, we're all set up, and I couldn't do it. And I remember I threw my head off because Luke was just like, come on, we got to get in. And I was, I literally, and I feel bad saying this, but I started bawling. I was just like, I can't do this anymore. And he's <laughs> looking back at me like, why is this grown man crying in the back of the van? <laughs> wow. I burned out. And uh, yeah, I took a month off. I, I could not function. Like it, you know how that whole saying about you rode a horse hard and put it away wet? That was yeah. it. I, yeah. It broke me. Well, you got to, I you mean, you got to fill your cup before you give. Yeah. Uh, great how question. Do you regenerate? How do you like, how do you, when you were, I mean, forget the, that aberration of 400 days, just on your regular schedule. Like, how do you regenerate? What do you come, you come home, you have like a 
a little private place you go to or a restaurant or a bar? Or how do you regenerate? No, you know, back then, I mean, come on, Miles, all of you guys, you guys all remember when we were young. <laughs> I was I was in yeah. my like, really early 30s and I felt okay. invincible. And uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it was, uh, yeah. I was, and I had such hyperactive disorder, man. I, my energy was just like, woo. But that, I still remember that literally, though, that, that changed me. I, I mean, as weird as that sounds, it really did. It like changed me. So, because it, it, it wore me down that hard. Kind of so from that point on, did you change how you were kind of regenerating to get back out there? Or what did you change about your process? Well, so what I did is then after that is um, I'd work through the, the season as hard as I could. And I'd get mm -hmm. all my appearances and all my stuff there. And then during the summer is when I would slow way down. And okay. I would, you know, I was probably hitting five appearances a week, you know, and, and not that many. And I would take the time off and I would try and bunch my appearances up. So I was knocking them all out in one day instead of over every day. But I think a lot of it too, though, is that upset me and made me cry. That was like, when, I remember when I was in the military, when I was in basic training, um, I remember I, they, you know, cause in the military, they try to break you down and mm -hmm. I, I just didn't want to break, you know what I mean? And I just was like, I'm, I know what I'm doing here. I'm here for school and, and I'm here to serve and stuff, but I felt really confident with who I was. And this drill sergeant, man, he, I still, I don't know if I can swear on here, but he oh, yeah. Yeah. Goes, I remember, fire away, baby. He goes, I was sitting there one time. And he pulled me out of line and he was just, he sat there. And then this is in the hot sun down in Oklahoma. And he was like, Abzi, I'm going to make you do sit-ups and push-ups to you shit and piss in your pants. And I was going yeah. and then he, you know, he threw me back in, but then he take me out. But he was literally like, it was, it became a kind of a challenge, you know? Yeah. And I remember when it happened, and I'm not sure if anything like this has happened to you guys where you just, you realize you lost in a sense, like you broke. Mm -hmm. And I remember yeah. he called me into his office for no reason. And he told me to put my feet in the windowsill. So I was at an angle doing uh, decline pushups. And he goes, and in the military, there's something that's called the uh, eight up. Have you, have you heard of that? Anybody? No, say, say it again. Eight up. You're eight up. Eight up. But no, so, I haven't heard that. Like what is that? It, it means that you're like, um, not good enough, you know, uh, um, weak in a sense. Okay. Um, so if you screwed up, you know, the drill sergeants would look at you and be like, you know, like Steve, you're eight up or cut, you know, private Cutler, you're eight up. And it just, yeah, like, okay. you kind of failed a little bit. And he goes, you know, and he kept telling me, he goes, all you have to say, you know, is that you're eight up. And I go, no drill sergeant, I'm not eight up. <laughs> and, and he, had me doing push-ups and would not let me stop. And I remember dripping sweat and my hands sliding out and him just standing there and he spun his chair around. I still remember it. And he was eating this cookie. <laughs> he was just, he was just watching me and he goes, you can get out of this. And I go, I'm not ate up. I'm not. <laughs> I, remember, I bet you guys, I swear to you guys, it felt like a day. I mean, it felt you like I was me on that third. wall. I know. You want me on that wall. <laughs> there came a point where I just, I just broke. And I remember it, it was so hard to come out. And when it came out, like I just started crying again, man. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
it was it was really weird and that there too was one of those moments that was life-changing you know it just it changed me a little bit so There's it's amazing how there are those your times, limits right yeah but we do reach breaking points and and i think oftentimes when we break down that's right before we we get to a breakthrough moment yeah. and john you you've been active uh it sounds like for your entire life you're still active i mean uh, it's you're sitting here talking and it's like you're flexing your biceps to show all of us uh, how strong you feel. I'm, I'm just giving you shit. But no, you're 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 still really active. Um, after 25 years of getting beat up, beating up your body uh, as a jazz bearer, you're still hitting the gym. What every day, aren't you? I try. I mean, it- yeah. You guys know, and all you guys can confirm this is, you know, because I tell everybody, a lot of times people will ask me, they're just like, hey, what's what's kind of that secret? And I always tell them the first thing is flexibility. I say stretch every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I firmly believe like when I would go to nursing homes and stuff, I'd see elderly people and they would be, you know, kind of, you know, so stiff and they, yeah. they couldn't get around enough or else they were just, you know, sitting in a wheelchair. And in my heart, I mean, my dad, when he died, he was 95 and he worked every day outside on the farm. And that was just because he moved. He was constantly doing something. Yeah. And I yeah. always tell people, I'm like, listen, you know, cause they're out, you know, you know how it is. Miles, Steve, you guys know, it's like when, when people would, when that you were training and you would tell them to stretch, nobody really wanted to stretch. Right. Right. And, and I tell them all the time. I was just right. like, you know, the, the key that I, or, you know, for me, I believe I could have had 20 surgeries, but it was because of my flexibility that I didn't tear or break something. I mean, yeah. I was always able to, you know, take the hit or the fall and I bent enough to where I didn't, I didn't hurt myself. And I always tell yeah. them, I'm like, you know, if you're going to watch TV or when you're going to stretch, if you're going to stretch, watch TV and during the commercials stretch, you're just sitting there anyway. And I yeah. Say, yeah. If you watch a 30 minute show, you get about 10 minutes of stretching. And if you watch an hour show, you get about 20 minutes of stretching and, and it, it will help you so much. And then, um, with working out, like I said about my dad is just, you, I just tell people that they got to keep moving. And I know that for me, and I know you guys understand that, that mm-hmm. I all of a sudden become docile. It's, it, I'm going to, I'm going to hurt. I'm going to be in pain and you yeah. kind of work through those injuries. Yep. It's really funny because, you, you know, you're talking about something that you, you've been able to achieve things physically that most people will never be able to do. I mean, uh, doing handstands on top of ladders, um, sliding down the oh, stairs, stairs of uh, the what the Delta Center, I think, is what I still remember it as. Um, but, but you stay very, very active uh, to this day. And I, as a guy who spent uh, a couple of decades in fitness, it, it blows my mind that the recommendations continue to get low. The bar is lowered, you know, oh, maybe you only need to work out once or twice a week. Um, and I keep telling people the same type of thing that if you move every day, you're just going to feel a lot better. Now, John, what with moving every day and with having had injuries, what do you do to prevent injuries uh, at this stage of life? Exactly that. I mean, stretching and moving, um, and watching what I eat. Uh, thankfully, you know, the thing that's really interesting is, um, I didn't realize how much diet had to do with, (laughs) I mean, I knew eating right made you healthy, but I didn't realize how much better you can feel when you do eat right. Cause yeah, you you know, you guys, if, if you guys have kids and stuff and 
when you have kids, you end up going to fast food a lot and you do this and, and that. But now my children, are, my children, my kids are older and um, they're super healthy. They eat so healthy and it helps me because now I'm eating what they're eating, you know, because when they were younger, I ate what they ate mcdonald's mm. <laughs> so, and now i'm eating what they eat and it's super clean super healthy so that helps me out a ton that they're doing that so you're basically telling me that there's light at the end of the tunnel with this 12 year old <laughs> <laughs> yeah your 12 year old though eats a little bit different than what most 12 year olds yeah. do he's uh, no, no, he's, he's, he's 50 that. 50 he's, he's 50 right 50 the game he is ahead yeah. of the game, but the other 50, he is right in the pocket of 12-year-olds. <laughs> That's awesome. That's, yeah. So, John, I want to shift gears from the from the physical aspect uh, just a little bit. I mean, you're the only person that we've had on the podcast to ever be elected to a Hall of Fame, let alone three. Um, how does that feel to be recognized and elected into a place that it's forever? You know, that's never going to go away. Uh, it's got to feel amazing. What does that feel like to you? You know, it's, um, it's humbling. I mean, it, it's one of those things that, you know, I, I feel like it, it uh, kind of confirmed that, you know, the approach that I took with the bear worked, um, even, you know, even though it was completely different. Um, what I really have to say is it's, you know, those awards weren't given just to me. They were given to everybody that I had in my life that helped me get there. You know, a lot yeah. of people, and I don't care who you are, you could be, you know, uh, the Super Bowl champs or, you know, a, you know, uh, I'm trying to think, you know, a, a world, a heavyweight world boxer, Muhammad Ali. But I mean, I don't care who you are, you did not do that on your own. And I have to say the same thing. All those awards and, and stuff like that, I didn't do on my own. It was because of the people that were around me and that were in my life that helped me get there. Um, it, any one of the people around me could have, you know, derailed uh, any of the awards that I got. It was just the fact that I had so much support and, you know, starting from my manager, Grant Harrison, when he, when he hired me, you know, to the, uh, the old school jazz management back then, uh, mm -hmm. to the people around me, to my bear crew, the bear crew that I had were, you know, I had guys that worked with, with me for the whole 25 years I was there and they started with me and they ended with me. So when I got let go, they all left. Um, so I, I would love to say, you know, that how I feel about it, but it's, it's more just, I just feel happy that for all of us and everybody that was involved in this for 25 years, you know, these awards were for them. You know, it, 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 I can't say that I'm surprised by that answer. I mean, you, you've been described as iconic by many people who... Um, I pay them for your big money to say that. Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I pay people that and they just never say it. But uh, anyway, you, you really have been described as iconic by uh, because of your portrayal of the jazz bearer. But you brought something up that I've seen over the years where people who are truly successful, and what I mean by success is that they have achieved a certain level of achievement. They've achieved a certain level of, uh, you know, hitting their goals, their targets, whatever you want to call it. The, there's, there's two types. I think that there are people that kind of achieve, uh, but then they tell you all about it. And then there are people like you who have actually really achieved and achieved this, this level of success that have the utmost humility and are will kind of almost deflect the 
accolades and say, well, it was everybody else. Where does that humility come from in you? I don't know. I mean, I guess I don't realize I have it. I just, you know, uh, I'm just really fortunate that, um, and I don't even know how to start. I mean, you know if this is going to answer your question, but um, I was sitting down one day and we were, I was with, um, so, you know, some uh, other celebrities, I'm not going to say their names or anything, but we were all kind of talking about our lives. Two of them were Olympic Olympians and we were all talking about our lives and they were all talking about how hard they had it and the things they had to go through to get to where they, they were today or are today. Mm. And the, uh, you know, between the, you know, the uh, depression and suicide attempts and the, the alcohol abuse and poor family upbringing and all three of them had similar stories, you know, just different scenarios. And when it came to me, I felt almost guilty because I seriously sat there and I was just like, well, you know, I didn't have to do nearly as much work as you guys did because you guys were already, you know, you guys had to fight so many other demons in your life. And, and for me, I was just really fortunate that I was just a little farm boy from Minnesota and I had a great family and great friends. I mean, you know Mm. what I mean? I had just this whole other scenario. And so I guess when I got the job, I loved it so much. And I really loved Utah because um, I had a choice before coming out here to go to Sacramento or Seattle to be their mascots. And I just fortunately picked Utah. Well, actually, Grant Harrison called me and told me to come on. (laughs) Thank you. You got picked for Utah. Exactly. But I just look at it as I felt so fortunate with my upbringing, my family, my friends, and this job that I really just cared about giving back. I mean, my whole goal was to just show that I really appreciated all the support and I want to do as much as I can to make sure I give back because, you know, it's no fun to take. It's way more fun to just give back and, and see people that appreciate it. I think what I hear in that is, uh, along with Steve's question though, John, what I hear in that is the, the love and passion for the journey. Oh, and I know that, mm-hmm. that athletes and people that reach a certain level and get the accolades that you've, you've achieved, most of them aren't out there pounding their own chest about it. Most of, them are, most of them are just, they can look back, they can appreciate the journey, they can see, the, they can, they can see the, all the steps they went through. And then once they've gotten to a certain level, what it took to maintain that level and maintain that schedule you talked about. And I just think that's part of the humility of it all is just being grateful and, and have that love and passion for the journey of it because that's where it's really at. The accolades, the, the, the awards that you get at a ceremony or whatever, that's a one-day, one-hour, two-hour scenario. Mm-hmm. But you can look back 30 years of, of, of emotions and experiences and, and just relish in that. And I think that's awesome. It's really cool. Yeah. And I think, but I will say, John, I mean, there are, you hear two types of stories of people that are successful. There are people that are successful because they've had to overcome a lot of challenges. There are people that are successful where like you, they've, they've had a, a good support system, but 
I, I think a lot of it's perspective too, because I've also seen people who have great support systems, who have natural abilities and talents in certain areas, and they do absolutely nothing about it. In fact, I remember one year when I was a when I was a trainer, I was working with some collegiate and professional athletes, and I had uh, one guy come to me and say, "Hey, I want to I want to work together," and he was so lazy. Uh, he had all of the natural talent in the world. He had the entire support system. He even had a couple of NBA teams that were saying, hey, we want you to come back next year. And he was trying to decide whether or not he wanted to really work that hard to get back into the NBA or just go into a cushy you know, job uh, overseas where they still pay him well, maybe not the same, maybe, you know, so I think it's a lot of it is perspective. And I think you really yeah. bring a great perspective that you say, hey, I didn't have challenges in life. I was supported. And I'm now going to go do something with that. And I think there's a lot of power in that humility. I think too, John, you know, a lot of people, they have fears or anxieties that keep them from doing things um, or trying something new and taking risks. Now, you, you've lived a life that I think a lot of people would say is pretty risky life, uh, repelling from the rafters, sliding down the stairs on the arena. What, what advice would you give to somebody who is dealing with anxiety or fear about starting something new, trying something that they've wanted to do for a long time? What's the advice you would share? I mean, because th there were so many times, you know, my whole life was filled with anxiety. Um, but my first test or my first thing that I remember where that I learned from one of those moments again, where you learn from it was when I got the job um, back in the, when, in uh, uh, 93, um, I, I, you know, I did tryouts and I got offered a job to Sacramento, Seattle, and Utah. And I didn't call anybody back. I literally froze and I, I sat at my farm and I thought, you know, I don't know what to do because this is comfortable. This is what I know. You know what I mean? Yep. And I didn't want, yeah. I, I wanted it really bad, but I was afraid. And I was, a, I was scared for change. And if it wasn't for Grant Harrison calling me and he, he called and he was just like, Hey John, how you doing? I'm like, good. He's like, so did you take a job with one of the other teams? And I'm like, no. And he's like, well, well, what are you doing? And I said, I don't know, Grant, I don't know what to do. And he goes, well, why don't you come out here and give it a try? And it was just so funny because he was like talking me off this ledge, you know, he's like, come <laughs> back in. Yeah. So, but if it wasn't for that, yeah. I wouldn't have done this. And I learned from that. And what I learned is, you know, um, there's really no need to be afraid. The only reason you're afraid is just because of your own mind. Um, yeah. Because there's, <laughs> there's so many things. Did you sneeze, Miles? Bless you. <laughs> that was my wild cough. Miles you. is dying over here. I but I mean, there's just so many things in life that people, you know, internally they freeze up. But it's like if, if you really look at things and you, you know, there's really no consequence. I mean, if, if you just try something and you go and try and do it, you know, th there's a reason for everything. And um, I think a lot of times people are afraid to fail. And I think if you go into it wholeheartedly and say, I'm not going to fail and I'm going to, you know, just like when I was, uh, you know, wanting to do the charity things and I wanted to do the character in a whole different way than everybody else. I was driven. I said, Nope, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to show everybody that I can do this. 
And I feel if you go into it with that belief, you can't fail. I think the only reason somebody fails is because of your own mindset. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So how, what did you, how do you, we all have anxieties. We all have fears. What do you do when you start to feel some anxiety or fear bubbling up inside of you? Um, what do you do to get over that? <laughs> you know, you know, what's funny is I, I just talked to myself. Um, when I would go out and before I would dunk or I would go out and do a stunt, um, mm -hmm. I had a routine sort of, I'd always, I'd always just stretch and I could feel like, it's weird. Like <clears throat> when you, uh, when you stretch, you, you just kind of stretch, but when you have like anxiety, you're tense. And I can mm. feel that when I'm stretching like this and I would move my arms back, I felt like just the stretching uh, released some of that anxiety, but I, I would always just talk to myself. I had kind of a line and I always be like, you're here for a reason. You know, your professional mascot, go out there and do the best show I can. And I would say that every time before I'd walk out there, <laughs> I'd get out That's there. Great. I would just make sure that I had as much fun as I could. I remember walking out one time, well, more than once, and I'd get into the huddle with the dunk team and I'd be like, I right, just remember you want to have fun. And, and I would just try and lighten it up because when you're too tense and too stressed, um, either you're one, you're going to fail or you're going to be so nervous that um yeah. you're just you, you you're gonna miss the dunk you're, you're gonna you're gonna just not succeed as well <clears throat> yeah so staying loose physically <laughs> and mentally i think that's important and i and i really don't think it's weird when you talk about that you talk to yourself because i that's something that's important we've got to you know oftentimes our internal dialogue can make us spin and cycle down into a negative space. So uh, getting that out and, and having a process that you go through, I think is a, is a pretty valuable lesson. So if I'm hearing you right, so let's say that somebody wants to start a business, they want to get, uh, you know, they're afraid to get into a new relationship. It's a matter of just kind of loosening up and talking to themselves and getting over that fear. Um, John, you, you had a massive amount of stats over the years Wait, Steve, um, let me jump in. Steve, I got to jump in. <laughs> go for it. Yeah. No. Okay. <clears throat> Talking to yourself and stretching works if you're going to go out and do something like I was doing. <laughs> but, but I think if you were going to do something for business, um, I think a lot of people are afraid because they're doing it. Because now, now, I, now I know what question you're asking. I think. I got you. Okay. It's more, it's more about uh, not having to do it alone. Does that make sense? Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. Believe it or not, I'm actually in the process of, of uh, buying a business right now. And it, it was really daunting until those relationships and those friends and, you know, getting input, talking to people and asking for help. You know what I mean? I think a lot yeah. of people are just like, oh, I'm going to do this. On gotcha. Yeah. I went out and I had support and I asked people questions and I had no problem with that. And then once you know, because the reason it's hard for people to start a business is because it's the unknown. You know, it's, mm. the, you know, I don't know what's over the bridge. And, and um, when you start talking to people, they start laying those bricks for you so that you can get farther on that bridge and see the other side. And I just think that, you know, if for anybody trying to start a business um, or even go into a relationship is, is you need to not look at it as I'm going to do this on my own. You need to have support. Yeah, you got to have a tribe and a support system. Tribe so. is a great word. Yep. Yeah, great, great point. 
So, um, like I was saying before, you've got a lot of stats over the years. Uh, you know, the coolest from my point of view was that you used over 55,000 cans of silly string. Um, <laughs> did, did, did people ever get angry at you, John, uh, when you would shoot them with silly string? Oh yeah. I remember, I remember the beer guy. Oh yeah, the beer guy. Yep. Yeah, the beer guy. I just tell tell the story of the beer guy. What's the beer guy? Uh, Miles, you tell it. So you know, John was shooting a silly string. Yep. And he shot the silly string, and I guess these guys got upset because they got in their beer. Oh. So there was okay. this little ex this little exchange, and the guy ended up pouring beer on John. I missed this. I need to see this clip. So is that, John is that out there? And got a bucket of water. <laughs> And came back and dumped it on the guy. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and then security came and it was a big brouhaha with the security because the security was trying to get this guy out of there. Wow. And it was the Houston Rockets game. <laughs> Top showed up even. Yeah, I thought somebody was Yeah. Up. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. So what did what did what ended up happening there? The cops have to take him out? Yep. Yeah, they just took him out. Cops took them out. And everybody was celebrating John as he was coming down the stairs. <laughs> no, you know what, though? That is really cool, though, about our fans. Uh, Utah fans, uh, you know, hats off, man. They supported me in everything. I felt like I had 20,000 bodyguards every time I was out there. Um, <laughs> I really did. It, was, it, it felt so good knowing that if an opposing fan messed with me, that I always had backup. So it was kind of nice. Yeah, what a great feeling. Do you do you still keep in touch with uh, with other mascots, with players, with uh, people in the NBA? Is that uh, still part of your tribe? It, it uh, all of them. Um, the thing that's crazy is once you're in sports and you've been in a while, you, you never leave it. It's really mm. like everybody I know that started when I started are all in sports in a different fashion. Um, mm. And, and it, you become kind of a family. I mean, I, I still stay in touch with like a, the, one of the guys, his name is Wes Lockard and he, he was uh, Bernie for Miami heat. And I mean, I met him back in 93 and I think he was done in about 98. And I mean, we still talk to each other and, oh, and wow. uh, still do stuff. I mean, because you become, there's that commonality between you and there's not many people that you can talk to that have experienced the same things you've experienced that understand, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why you keep this, like you said, the tribe together. Is there any yeah, one a, mascot cool that thing. mentored that you would consider like a mentor? And is there another mascot under you who you've meant you've been the mentor to that person? Um, wow. So when I came into the league, there was only, there was myself, the Phoenix gorilla, the Atlanta Hawks, Miami, San Antonio, Minnesota. That was roughly about it. <laughs> so, I mean, because yeah, we New York didn't have, wow. yeah, we were still so new. And it was, believe it or not, the Phoenix Gorilla, the one that kind of kicked open the door. Um, but I, I really looked that when I came into the league, I really looked up to the Phoenix Gorilla and up to the uh, San Antonio Coyote and the Philly Fanatic. Um, <clears throat> because I really liked the combination. You know, the Philly Fanatic was funny. The San Antonio Coyote was funny. And the Phoenix Gorilla was funny and athletic. And I liked, mm. I liked, I wanted to be like the Gorilla, that combination. 
you know, because in the league you have either funny guys or super athletic guys. And then there's that funny and athletic. And I wasn't really athletic, but I was just good enough to fake it a long time, you know? So, but I was always yeah. a gorilla. And so the gorilla <laughs> was probably my mentor. You know, he's the guy that I looked up to to try and copy a lot. And then. Yeah, I, I, I don't agree with you when you say you're not athletic. I've seen you move. I, you've, you've got, you got some athleticism. Come on now. Thank you, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's kind of funny how this worked is um, I think that uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves mascot, who's still doing it today, when he started out, he always said that he wanted, you know, he was kind of watching me and he was watching my videos and and following and and, and what I was doing. And I remember it it was kind of funny because I saw him slowly just get better and better. And then there was that point where, you know, he surpassed me (laughs) and I was watching him and it was so awesome. Mm. Like (laughs) cool experience. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like one year. Cause like, so we have this mascot conference that I started back in 96 or seven and um, all the NBA guys come to it now. And uh, we all show highlight videos. And I'm not going to lie. And I, and if he sees this, I'm sorry, but he'll understand. But I remember watching when he first came in, just kind of going, oh, he's not very good. I was like, oh, that's getting better. And then it was better yeah. and better. And then I remember him one time, that's when he told me, you know, he was watching my videos and I'd watch his the next year. And he was doing the things that I was doing on his videos. But then it was just, I don't know. I just felt like it was really cool to see it all switch where, all of a sudden I'm watching his videos and I'm copying what he's doing. And it yeah. just, I, I just really like that. I just That's love cool. that progression. The, the student cool. has taken the pebble from the master. Yeah. Well, they, they named Dead the leadership song. award after you. And I don't, I, I couldn't find a stat on when that happened, but John, when did they, when did they change it from just the leadership, the mascot leadership award to the John Absey leadership award? Uh, this year. So, this year. Okay. And the uh, Philadelphia 76ers mascot uh, is the one that received it. And uh, I saw that it was, it was, it was really, really cool, really humbling. It was, uh, I don't know, you know, I mean, it's like I said, is I wish I could put everybody's name on that thing that's been in my life that helped me do it. Um, So it it was humbling. That's all I, it, it was really nice, really nice of them to think of me like that. Yeah, what an amazing uh, feeling to know that uh, from now on, whenever anybody gets a leadership award, it's going to have your name on it. What a what a what a cool feeling! Yeah, it's very really cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, John, I, uh, w- one final question for you as we start to wrap things up. You know, for a guy who has an award named after him, who has, who is in three halls of fame. How can our listeners, what, what would your advice be to our listeners who want to become, uh, who want to get into the hall of fame of life? You know, people who are, want to evolve into their best self. Um, what can they do? What would somebody who has achieved a certain level of success like you have, what advice would you give to the average Joe like myself who wants to be my best in my personal life? Wow. That, that, that was, that, that's, so that's a long question here. So, sorry, I'll shorten. Oh, I love it. I love it. So, <laughs> just, just answer the question, John. <laughs> sorry, Miles. Miles is going to put on his boxing gloves here, and come and get you. John. <laughs> oh, John boxed with me. I, I know. did, and he and it yeah. wasn't fun because 
I thought I, I was like, <laughs> I can do this. And I was like, holy hell. No, I was getting my butt kicked. <laughs> miles. I felt bad. That's great. <laughs> but I was going to say, uh, no, I, I think something, and believe it or not, I heard this quote back when I was in college and I really, really uh, live by it. And, and in the business world, um, you know, I saw it so many times where I was just like, holy hell, that, that's exactly what it's talking about, you know, and, and what it was is you can always tell the character of somebody by how they treat people who can't do anything for them. Mm. And I just so many times, you know, saw these people in these groups and in business <clears throat> treat somebody one way because they could do something for them and then immediately turn around. And if it was the secretary or the janitor, all of a sudden they were, you know, non-existent. They wouldn't have yeah. peed on them if they were on fire. And uh, I just look at it as um, I, in my, when I was working at the jazz is I knew everybody from the custodial people by name, all the way up to the owners. And I really have tried in my life to never treat anybody different. When I would see the Millers or the president of the team or whoever, I acted the same way around them as I did. And whether or not they liked it or not, but I was just like, this is who I am. You need to take it or leave it. And if you leave it, that's fine. But the people yeah. you know, that take it is, are the people that I'm going to you know, uh, give back to uh, as much as I possibly can. And I think that's really something that people in life is they tend to, they're chameleons. It's like, I'm this way with these people and I won't talk to these people. It's like yeah. you know what in my life in 25 years coming through is I saw people um, <clears throat> that I thankfully never burned a bridge with because eventually mm. they became my boss. <laughs> so yeah. it was, <laughs> that's a good point. And, yeah. it, and it's like, uh, a lot of people burn bridges and it's like, you never want to burn a bridge is um, cause you never know where or in what circumstance you're going to meet that person again. And, uh, yeah. and that bridge has moved and you have to cross it down the road somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. but I, but I, honestly, I think that you, as anybody, all of us as a, as a, you know, as a humanity, it, you can't go wrong by just, caring for other people and yeah. and giving back to the to the world you know it's a simple yeah, statement it's a simple statement john but how you've embodied the golden rule the golden rule right. in life is uh it goes a long ways yeah it's yeah. a great example of that thank you no thank you guys no i just uh like i said man i i have just been really fortunate that um i've had such good people in my life you know and i I really do. I, it almost makes you feel guilty because like you said, Steve, is you have these people that are struggling and they're mm -hmm. trying to figure out. And I think a lot of times they feel alone and, and I feel bad for them, you know, because it's like, I, I'm really fortunate that I can look to my left, left or my right. And I, and I have somebody there for me. Yeah. Well, and I think what's great too, John, and you're a great example of this is that for people who may struggle, um, if they reach out, there's always someone there. And I think you're a great example of not just being a someone, but you're someone who has achieved the level of success. You haven't put yourself on a pedestal. Uh, it doesn't matter who the person is. If they reach out to you, you will be there and give them advice or help them out. And I think that that to me is a true definition of success. So you're, you're a great embodiment of that. 
Now, I know that uh, this next uh, phase of your career is going on right now. Um, tell, tell our listeners, what is, uh, what is the future hold for John Absey? Wow. Um, I don't know. You know, um, I, I've been really fortunate to do some speaking stuff. And I never thought I would want to speak because I was in mind for 25 years. It's like, it was all bottled up and now I'm just like, I can't check that. So yeah, I great. I'm not good at it, but I do love to talk. And yeah, uh, you're great at it. And then um, um, I'm in the process of buying Alinko costumes. They're the costume company that built my suit. And we do, you know, 60% of the sports mascots in the country. Um, and it, it's awesome that, you know, when I got done, I took a year off and I just did charity work because I was really afraid that because I didn't have the vehicle, which was the jazz bear to do charity stuff that I wasn't going to be able to do it. So I took that year and I just kind of established myself. I wanted to make sure that I could still help and be, uh, you know, an asset to these, to these charities. Yeah. And then my wife said, I need to get a job, but then I, <laughs> I know. Then I started in with Alinko and I got so fortunate because I'm falling into a career that I know so much about. And yeah. a lot of people, they get done with the career and then they have to completely do a 180 and do something different. Yeah. And for me, I get to hang out and talk to all my friends anyway, you know, so it's kind of fun. And, uh, you know, if I'm making a suit for the Minnesota Timberwolves, I, I love him. Me and him are tight and it's just fun to be able to call him and we can talk a little bit, catch up, and then I can talk to him about whether or not he wants long fur on his gloves or short fur on his gloves. <laughs> I love it. And then, uh, well, what a cool, then, what a cool transition. Yeah, no. And so then, speaking. Uh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. You go, Steve. No, you go. I'm done talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, spe no, so speaking, talking. owning the business, uh, or or getting to the point where you're owning the business. Uh, what else? No, nothing. Other than that, I've just been. Um, working on our charity that uh, for the it used to be the old bear hugs and now it's firemen and friends and we take underprivileged kids Christmas shopping we're kicking that up again um, I started mm. another group called working for charities where we we bring charities and businesses and donors together and um, have them network so I mean I don't know just trying to keep my hands in a bunch of stuff um, I'm consulting out at the Utah Warriors rugby field or games and uh, helping them out with game ops and stuff. And we just introduced our new mascot for the team last night. And uh, Wow, very cool. He's a Panther, yep. And I don't know, man. It's just, I think at this point in my life, and I, and I hope everybody gets there, where it's just fun to do stuff now. You know what I mean? I'm not having to worry about making a million dollars because I don't care. I just want to have fun. You know, right now in That's my life, great. I just want to have fun, go out, interact, and, you know, be with my family and, and I'm just enjoying life. I'm not, I'm not under the, the hustle and bustle and, you know, trying to make the money. What a, what a great transition. That broke. Well, so, John. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. awesome. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Good, good for you. Well, on that note, it's uh, time for us to, to wrap up another Evolve podcast. We want to thank our guest, uh, John Apsey, uh, for coming on and my co-host, Mr. What Happens in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. And uh, the man with the best pickup lines in Oberlin, Ohio. Um, we've with had a great conversation. Nobody to use them on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
We've had a great conversation today. We hope that you, our listeners, took something with you that will help you on your personal evolution. Uh, John, if people want to get in touch with you, they want to follow your story, what's the best way for people to contact you or to stay connected to you? I don't know. I don't <laughs> anything like that. I don't know. Uh, look us up on alinkocostumes.com. That would be great. Right. Help us out there. Other than that, um, just go to go to Lake Effect in the restroom. His name is all over that place. Bam. There you go. <laughs> Wait, I got a question for <laughs> for Mr. Las Vegas. So, uh, how how are you guys getting? And I'm just saying, as I heard that you guys might be getting an NBA team. I've heard that. I've lived here since 2003, and I've heard that since 2003. <laughs> <laughs> but we, but we do have an NFL team. Yet I've never seen them. But there's a building here that says there's an L NFL team here. You, you know so. what I did hear about that though is I did hear that um, they sold a majority of the tickets to ten companies. If I'm not mistaken, right? It's oh somewhat, wow! Uh, there, I, yeah, there was a weird yeah. It was kind of weird. There is there's a WNBA team here. Oh, you did? Who is that? I have no idea. Oh, wait, uh, you know who it is? I think it's the Aces. Aces. It's the Aces. Yeah. Yep. Because we just come on, Casey. We, you know you have season tickets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I gotta run, guys. I got an Aces game I gotta get to. Yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> well, John, if if anybody wants to contact you, I'll have them contact me and I'll get a hold of <laughs> yeah. you. We'll help you out, John. Yeah, if they've, if they've got questions for you. Uh, Casey, uh, how do people find us at the Evolve podcast? Yes, please come find us and be a part of our conversation on our webpage at evolve-cast.com. Come leave us comments, like us, give feedback on our Instagram at evolve underscore cast. We'd love to hear from you. We love your questions, your comments, and anything you want to say. Come join our community. We have a great community of people just trying to figure things out in the right healthy ways of every aspect of their lives and come learn together with us. Cause everyone has a great story to share. And John, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. It's a really cool thing that you've done with your, with the avenues that you've had in your life to help others. I think that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Casey. Uh, I that. Yeah. And miles, how do people look as great as you? Well, if you want to really look as great as me, you have to get our <laughs> Gear. Or Botox. Lots of Botox. The Evolve Lab, you can get Botox. Evolve Lab. Yes. His face doesn't even move. It doesn't make it. Doesn't even move. It's like a wax museum in here. I don't know what's going on. It's oh, great. <laughs> well, folks, the cat's out of the bag now. Here at Evolve, we do everything. <laughs> you want calf implants? We got calf implants. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, so hit up the website. We have, Go to the we website. Have we got, enhancers. We got we got mugs. <laughs> we've got water bottles. We've got hoodies. We've got what was that, Casey? We've got bicep implants. Tricep um, yeah. in, enhancers. Tricep implants. We're doing liposuction. We do everything here at Evolve. <laughs> yeah, just call Trilogy. You'll get 50% off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's great. Well, thanks, uh, thanks Miles. Uh, John, it was great having you. It was John. great seeing you again, too. Oh, thank you guys for having me on. I really, really, really appreciate it. <laughs>
Yeah. yeah, great, great to have you. And uh, thank you, our listeners, for listening to another episode of the Evolve Podcast, a podcast that explores personal evolution through our choices and overcoming the challenges that life throws at us. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. And evolve. Thanks for listening. Join us next week as we talk health, fitness, and living a great life with podcaster, coach, and low-carb expert, Casey Ruff.